This podcast is brought to you courtesy of Renault, the world's most exclusive sunglasses. It's now available at renault.co.uk and at select boutiques around the globe. You are listening to the Official Concept Podcast. Enjoy listening to Alan. Today on the show, we're interviewing Damon Elliott. Welcome. How are you? I'm good. How are you, man? Having a beautiful morning uh, over in Australia. How is everything going with you? Everything is great, man. We're having a beautiful afternoon over here in sunny Southern California. <laughs> yes. Love to hear it. The first question I'd like to ask you is, your journey in the music industry began with working alongside the late Easy e and Bone Thugs and Harmony, notably contributing to Flesh and Bones' solo album Thugs. Can you elaborate on the intricate start of your career and the experiences you gained during this time? Yeah, started out literally uh, met met um, Gary Ballin and Jerry Heller first. Easy was around, and uh, my first uh, jumping into hip hop was with Flesh and Bone and uh, the rest of the guys known as Bone Thugs and Harmony. And boy, oh boy, what an experience um, coming from Beverly Hills <laughs> behind gate. You know, growing up with my mom, Dion Warwick, having you know, literally uh, everything kind of I wanted to be thrown right into the studio with some, some real thugs um, of Bone Thugs and Harmony. First project, True's Humbly United Gathering Souls. My first gold record, or platinum record, I should say, with Flesh and Bone. But it was pretty amazing. What an amazing start to my producer. So when you first worked with them, what was the atmosphere like? Because it would have been like two different worlds that you were coming into. How, yeah. how was, did you feel a lot of pressure coming into it? Or did you just like gel with them? No, I was high off the contact smoke. So there was no pressure. This is before, <laughs> this is before weed was legal, you know, so they would get, they would have pounds and pounds and pounds of the best uh, chronic, the best sativa, the best, you know, smoke. And so literally I wasn't a smoker. Um, but uh, through, through secondhand inhalation, I was, um, <laughs> I was very relaxed actually. And we were making beats and, um, you know, we were setting the, uh, setting the tempo for what would become, um, singing hip hop, you know, with harmonies and, and all of that. So we were at the forefront, man. It was pretty awesome. Great group. I, <laughs> I think you should cons like consider yourself pretty lucky. I'd say so. Because if it was, if, if I got like second contact high i would have just been super paranoid yeah, I, was just, <laughs> I was just hungry man i was hungry all the time. <laughs> i would just be freaking out i was be like oh my god <laughs> yeah these guys you know they, they knew they, they it was good stuff man and uh yeah, yeah. You know, we ate a lot and we we uh we enjoyed we enjoyed being young wild and free in the words so with being in that moment how did the creativity feel um, it was a uh, it was a flow, you know. It was uh, mm. very natural, man. It's like uh, these guys are, you know, geniuses, you know, in in musical uh, icons now, you know. But we didn't know that we were going to become kind of legends of the of the time, you know. I think I think I think with the word legends, it just means you're getting older. Like when people say you're an OG, <laughs> like damn, you just called me old, man. You called me a legend, damn. <laughs> you know, selling a lot of records together and having a lot of fun. We were just having fun, man. We we didn't do this. We didn't do this for any reason other than have a lot of fun. You know, obviously 
you know, we're all we're all young adults, young boys, you know, um, young males. So we wanted to meet, you know, females and wanted to make a lot of money and and uh, just have a lot of fun, write great songs that people would rap along and sing along to and and bob their heads to the beat, you know, and that's why we did it for it, it worked. Well, seeing that you've been in the industry for such a long time, can you scout out talent from like a mile away? Are you are you able to listen to somebody for just like 30 minutes and then know that they're going to be a massive success or is it more of a nurturing outcome not even 30 minutes man 30 seconds to a minute you know someone got it man. literally you, you can turn on a song um and know if it's a hit right away if it moves you um me and diane warren always say don't bore us get to the chorus you know um hmm. and then people have that star quality you know um um you know kind of um, pretty quickly, if somebody moves you, you know, it's, it's sometimes the way they look, the way they carry themselves, the way their their aura is, and, you know, and then it comes down to talent, you know. So it don't take 30 minutes, man. 30 minutes, shit. 30 minutes, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. I ain't giving nobody 30 minutes, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, just played up. There's, there's yeah. yeah. So with that saying, then Boris gets chorus. Uh-huh. When you're producing a song, which part do you normally start first in the creativity? There's no start first. It's it's uh, okay. when I'm producing a song, man. It just it's, uh, you guys got airplanes flying around there when I'm producing. Oh yeah, sorry, man. No, no, it's all good, man. I just want to make sure you get you get the good sound quality stuff. So. I think World War Three is coming soon. <laughs> I sure hope not. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, um, you know, uh, hold on one second. Um, you know, there's no, there's no formula, set formula, man. Like it, sometimes it starts with a beat. Sometimes it starts with a bass line in your head or a piano riff, or shoot, sometimes it just starts with a sound you hear, you know, or an idea. Um, I don't, I don't sit down and go, okay, I'm going to build this song, you know, X, Y, and Z. You know, every song I've done is different, you know, so it's really no, no set. Not for me anyway. I don't wait for the moon to line up with the sun or any of that. There's no set formula, man. We just get in and cook, you know. You produced multiple songs for Bone, Thugs, and Harmony, including Crazy Bones, Flesh and Bone, and the Mo Thugs compilation album, All Achieving Gold Status. What type of production and collaboration defined this phase in your career and how has the industry evolved since then um wow uh man uh the the sound we were creating was literally like i said it wasn't thought out you know it was just kind of we didn't know we were creating any sound to be totally honest we were using different sounds in the keyboard and different sounds that we were sampling back then sampling was only a few seconds of stereo sampling time so you really had to be like cognizant of what you were doing you know you didn't have a lot of wasted space to truncate your sounds and all that um i mean and, and how it's evolved is now you know nowadays you can, which, and if i'm not knocking technology i'm actually applauding it because nowadays you can, can take you know you can open up your computer and have preset sounds preset samples that give you an idea that basically comes from you know uh, you could type a tempo in. You would say you want 100 beats per minute, 97 beats per minute. You type that in, and then you, you hold down a key on the keyboard, and it gives you a drum beat. It gives you a bass line. It gives you a, a pattern. And you just put those together nowadays, and you've got kind of what we did back then was we took records, right, and we would sample records and actually try to match the tempo and beat match ourselves. 
Whereas now you can kind of just type it in. The computer does all the work for you. But it's cool, man. I mean, it still takes creativity to kind of pull from the source, right? What do you think is going to happen with the future of like music production when it comes to AI creating songs? I think, um, you know, uh, I think it's cool, man. I'm, I'm, I'm all for uh, moving into the future. I mean, AI, people, if you're scared of it, it just means you don't have creativity to begin with because computers can only go so far, man. They copy algorithms. They copy what we're doing. They're not ahead of us. They're behind us because they have to learn. AI is always learning. And if it's always learning and we're always kind of the ones that it's learning from, I don't think you can ever really get ahead of us. I think that's one of the best ways that you've been able to like put it because I've asked other um, famous artists as well. And yeah, I think that your way is the way to go because that that is actually really true it's like we are the trendsetters so the ai applies their creative form to that trend but we're the one who sets the original trend itself that we're we're teaching we're teaching the ai man like we're not you know what i'm saying we're uh you know yeah man we're teaching it so i'm not i'm not worried about it you're 20 23 Grammy win for Mystic Mirror is a testament to your enduring success. Can you delve into the moment of creating a record of the year and how this achievement has impacted your journey? Uh, man, it, it, it uh, you know, I literally, am, I've got to just say this for the record. I'm so lucky to and honored to know White Sun and to be the record the distributor for that incredible album. I literally had nothing to do with the production of that record. Um, I literally, being friends with Guru Joss and Hadijibin, such an amazing group of people that make up that that group um, from the Rama Institute. You know, I've done a lot of songs with White Sun. I'm planning to release a um, few records with him as a collaboration. Nomad, which is my artist, my artist Alter Ego with White Sun. Um, but I just got really lucky. It was brought to us. My business partner, um, who was the director of operations for my label, Khalil, brought it in the doors and said, hey, we should distribute this. And I said, go ahead, man. They were looking for us to get it up quickly and get it out quickly in time for um, in time to get voted for potential to be considered for a Grammy, let alone we didn't know we were going to win. So when we won, I was on an airplane landing. I'll never forget, I was playing 30,000 feet in the sky, heading to Nashville and listening to the Grammys. And, and they, they announced the winner, White Sun. And I went, well, we got a Grammy. Look at that. <laughs> Truth, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. You produced Diane Warren's applause performing at the Academy Awards and are involved in the first ever Dion Warwick Dolly Parton duet, mm-hmm. pay, pay, uh, Pace Like a River. Can you provide insights into the complex process of producing for prestigious events and collaborating with such iconic artists? Like, it's not like I got any big secrets, man. It wasn't that complex. It was like literally kind of like Lady Marmalade. Uh, we, we joked about it, this being like the, the new Lady Marmalade, right? Because literally back then when I worked with Rockwilder on that record um, and Ron Fair and Maya and Pink and Tina and all the young ladies who did that monster hit, um, this is very similar. Whereas it literally is now, you know, um, uh, the, the kind of kind of new. Uh, I won't say new version, but but um, you know, uh, you know, nothing too crazy complex about it, man. Like they're iconic, they're amazing, they are, you know. And I'm speaking now of Cindy Lauper, Gloria Stefan, Debbie Harry, Belinda Carlisle, Dolly Parton, 
Come on. I literally, I sat and watched these legends, true legends sing and do their thing. But very much kind of like Lady Marmalade, I had them all sing the entire song. And then we chose the part. That's how that happened. That's pretty much the only secret I can give about Gonna Be You. I'm so excited that it's now being considered <coughs> potentially for an Academy Award. That's pretty cool. In 2023, you released I Kneel. Yes, I did. Dion Warwick, first gospel duet with you. Mm-hmm. What inspired this powerful musical journey? And how did it feel to release this on Mother's Day? It felt really good. Um, and what inspired it is it's my mom. And, and you know, we pray a lot together. And Mom's working on a, uh, a, um, an album right now, Songs of Inspiration. And, um, you know, uh, and that's exactly what it, what it is. It's an inspiring song. It's very apropos right now with the times that we're living in, you know, with this world, man. And so uh, I'm very excited to have this song be a catalyst for, for peace and for prayer and for love. Exactly the title, I Kneel. Sometimes you just got to take a minute and get down on your knees and pray. I think a lot more people are finding that to be true right now than ever. You know? Yeah, that right now, particularly, there are <laughs> so many, so many horrendous things happening. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people are going to very hard substances mm-hmm. to find love or to find forms of gratitude. And I think that a lot of people just have to understand that there is always going to be something out there that can love you. Right. And as long as you have positivity and light, you can you can still have another good day. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So how did it impact you? What's that? How, how the world's going right now? Uh, no, just religion. Oh, well, come on. I grew up... Um... I grew up in the in the church. I grew up you know, with music surrounding me. More so, the music impacts me than than I should just say religion. So mm. I'm moved by energy. I'm moved by faith. Um, I know that God is is very present in my life. I believe in you know the power of prayer. I believe that there is there is an angel. You know, I believe that there is Jesus. I believe that um, you know I've I've explored a lot of different ways. In, in a lot of different faiths, if you will, but I always come right back home to to God and to Jesus, you know. Um, and I believe that religion, as you can see right now, people debating over religion and debating over their opinions causes war. And I stay out of that. I just believe that you have the right to believe whatever you want to believe. Just I, I hope and pray for you that it's something on a positive um, side, you know. Because as you can see, there's a lot of negative energy right now in music as well. You got these people running around like demons and all this other stuff. They don't quite know what they're playing with. They will. Yeah. How do you take that type of stuff? Um, I don't. I don't take it. I, I mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, you know, like I said to mom, you know, she did the song, you know, Doja Cat's got the number one song with mom right now, the walk on by sample her vocal and you got Doja talking about she's the devil and all this other stuff. You know, I told mom, listen, you know, we know who you are and, um, you know, we know you're a woman of faith. She sampled your voice and how wonderful it is that the world gets to hear you, your beautiful, iconic sound, you know, um, and I, and I even posted on my, my Instagram that while I'm not a fan of the message, you know, uh, I am a huge fan of my mom and the song, the sample I'm a fan of and the beat. I mean, that beat is fire, man. <laughs> you know, unfortunately, she's talking about the devil and all this crazy this craziness as a top line. We call it in the music business. You know, it's like I used to always say, 
there's two equations, man. You've got a beat maker who makes dope beat, dope melodies, dope music, and you've got someone who writes lyric and melody on top of it. Sometimes you just can't control the narrative that happens on top of your beat, right? Why, why do you think so many people bring in uh, Satanism in the music industry? I don't know. I don't know why people bring in Satanism in any. I, I, mm. you know, I, you know, we know, we know that Satan's a fallen angel. You know, you know, got kicked out of the gates, man, and is down here trying to trying to enter the souls that, that God said, you know, you're gonna leave my souls alone. That's why truly Satan can't enter your world until you invite him. That's what that's what selling your soul is, right? Literally saying, I want you in my presence, and I want to abide by your quote unquote ways. It's sometimes it just feels like people, you know, feels maybe like it's a lot easier to uh, go down an evil path than it is to stay true and righteous. But that's for everybody else to, to deal with. I, I'm not here to judge. Who am I to judge, you know? I find it quite interesting because when, when you listen to a song that's uh, putting out this negative energy, like, I always be very careful with the stuff that I listen to because I enjoy going to the gym and so, you know, you listen to hardcore music and sometimes there's, uh, you know, death metal, which can be heavily involved with Satanism or, you know, some of the popular songs nowadays. Mm -hmm. And they do sound really good, but they mm -hmm. have an underlying tone with it. Mm -hmm. And I feel that words have sub like subliminal messaging with it as well. And so with, it's like with the beats happening, with the music going forward, when they're talking about X, Y, and Z, that is also bringing in energy and so i i think that with satanism and i think that with you know this demonic energy it does provide an extra impact to the sound can if you let it i mean yeah listen, like i said you know you have to invite that man that energy might be there but if i don't welcome it it ain't gonna affect me i can listen to anything and even 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 paint the town red that's a dope song man that song is fire as far as the beats concerned as far as the melody as far as all of that the message i don't i don't receive i rebuke actually the message i rebuke all of it you know in the name of jesus but i listen to the song it's not i'm not gonna let that ruin my day i'm not gonna let the beautiful my beautiful mother's walk on by what a great use of that sample oh my god over that track like i said as soon as i run into um to that you know the producer you know i'm gonna Give him a high five and a pound. Say, man, you did it, man. You really did your thing. And then, you know, I run into Doja. I'm going to, you know, say, hey, you know, God bless you. I hope you, you know, hope you see the light because you playing with something that, that I, you know, I don't even want to even want to go down that road, you know. But hey, mm. to each his or her own, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So let's say you're working with somebody as a producer and they start going down this way. Do you continue to work with them or do you like kind of wrap it up or do you put in any of your like, like attitude with towards it? I don't, I, like I said, man, I don't judge, man. You, you have the right as an artist to express yourself in whatever way you want. Man. Mm. If I'm going to sit here and say, I'm going to start judging now that I probably shouldn't have been a part of a lot of records that I was a part of because I, I come from, I come from a family of expression. Like you got to express yourself. And that's what you think you need to do. That's on you. You make your own bed, man. I'm not here. I don't, you know, you got to lie in that bed, man. So that's the that's what you're doing over my beat. Hey, man, as long as my kick, snare, hi-hat, and melody, and I'm laying, make the please, whoever it is, I'm, I'm you know, that's 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 uh buying it and trying it, 
then I'm good to go. Mm. I don't care what you say over my track. Say whatever you want. That's for you. That's you have to deal with that. <laughs> yeah. Your nomination for the Grammy Award Producer of the Year is a significant honor. Can you delve into the details of your current body of work and what it means to be recognized at this level? It's a trip, man. I've been working a long time as a producer and to be able to be considered for a nomination is pretty cool, man. It's a trip. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you ever feel like you deserve such an accolade, right? It's like, I'm still producing, I'm still working. Like, what does that mean? But it's kind of awesome. You know, maybe it means like a couple people heard my songs and said, hey, we want to give you a, a trophy, you know, for what you're, for all the work you're doing. And that's kind of cool. But I'm like an athlete, man. I, I'm not, you know, I'll, it's, it, I, I've always want to better myself every year, you know, and uh, it's like winning the Grammy last year that I literally, had nothing to do with, but having the record company, you know, which I guess has something to do with it. We put it out, right? And promoted it and all that. But but yeah, just like, you know, it doesn't stop there. Do you ever get imposter syndrome? Say what? Who? What kind of syndrome? Imposter syndrome. What the heck is that? I know uh, oh, well, that's, that's good. <laughs> um, what is that, it's, Alan? It's, a, it's, a, it's an emotion that you get. Well, not you, yeah. uh, but some people get in the creative industry. And they feel like they don't deserve it, or they feel oh, like hell no, I deserve no, no, don't. Okay, no, no, no. I listen. I deserve everything that I've earned. Yes, uh, yeah, that's good. You know, if I didn't earn it, that's I think. Don't get it misconstrued. When I, I'm very honest about credit. I want to. I want to say a lot of people are riding on things that they didn't. That they didn't do, and I'm not. Mm -hmm. If I didn't have nothing to do with it, I'm gonna be the first to tell you you got this wrong. You know. Um, you know, but I don't feel bad about none of my awards. I don't feel bad about none of my hits. I don't feel bad about selling records. It's a very competitive business. I work very hard. And like I said two seconds ago, I'm like an athlete. I just want to better myself. And I feel for people that, that, that feel guilty for, mm. for achieving. Maybe they feel guilty because maybe there's a secret or something. Anytime you feel guilty, you got something's not right. There ain't no way you don't feel guilty if you actually put the work I don't know about that imposter, but maybe, maybe, maybe it's called imposter syndrome for a reason. But if you're an imposter, then you don't deserve it. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of false people out here who lie, especially in the media industry. You think? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so let's say uh, you create another huge hit. Yeah. And and it's going really well. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that you're only as good as your last song or your next song? Or do you look at your whole collective artistry and you're like, man, this is this is next level. I love this. I don't ride my own shit like that, man. Okay. I, I just, I get up every day and I go to work and I enjoy what I do. <laughs> and I love that I might be sitting in a room and really feeling the moment, but I don't hold on to it like that. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't compare yesterday to today and today to tomorrow. I just, I just, like I said, every day I'm on a, I'm on a ride. And when it actually feels like it actually feels like hard work and I'm not enjoying it, that's when I'm going to hang it up. And you'll see me like on some island in Puerto Rico or Brazil or somewhere. I don't know where I'll be, but somewhere far away, sipping on something. And, uh, <laughs> and it might be a Diet Coke, so don't get it. <laughs> Because I don't really drink, but like, you understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Going back to the start of your career, yeah. you found your creative niche cultivating female singers. How did your experience with artists like Maya 
shape this creative aspect of your journey, considering your mother, uh, Dion Warwick's legacy? Yeah, well, that starts there. My mom is a female who's been very powerful and a very um, respected uh, source of energy in my life. I love my mom. I am the mama's boy. So it's very easy for me to work with females primarily. I've been very blessed. Thank you, God, for putting me in that seat to be the big brother to a lot of these uh, humongous, talented females. You know, um, uh, I prefer, you know, like I said, I started out with hip hop thugs, man, worked with a lot of the gangsters, the real ones, mm-hmm. not the not studio gangsters, real gangsters, and grew up around it, you know, being from Beverly Hills. But it was, you know, got a little dangerous at times. And I prefer having a female come in. Maybe she's had a problem with her boyfriend or having a bad nail day or, or she's menstruating or whatever it is. And she wants to talk about it. So we put it in music, you know, or she has family issues or whatever it is. I prefer that because there's no real danger there, <laughs> you know. So, that, yeah, that's it, man. And Maya is a catapult to my career. Seven and a half years straight, I worked with her. You know, millions and millions of records we sold together. She's the sole reason that I got Lady Marmalade as one of the you know vocal producers on the song and part of that. And also, she led me to think she 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 gave all the other females the kind of the trust in me because they saw how dope she is as one of the pioneers of, of that sound pop music. You know, and they all trusted. They said, "Who did you work with?" That the Damon Elliott, and they all came to me. You know, she's the one, man. How was it nurturing her career? I can't say I nurtured her career. I'll say she nurtured mine. It was awesome. That's all I can say. She, she taught me a lot. She's a real, real pioneer. Man. Yeah. Your synergy with Pink resulted in a successful project. Misunderstood. Can you share the intricacies of your collaboration and how it led to a record 29 million record sale? <laughs> Pink's the shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah She's awesome, man. She, she knows what she wants, man. She's hard-headed as hell. She don't, she don't listen to nobody. She comes in knowing what she wants, and that's what we did. We created a sound between her and that crazy-ass Linda Perry, who's another crazy person in my life who I love to death. You know, another one of my just sisters, you know. Um, they, these girls knew what they wanted, and they came. We all formed like a like it was like a it was like what's that Marvel you know where the Iron Man gets with Captain America and they get with whoever <laughs> yeah like this alignment. <laughs> we were the superheroes, man. We formed some shit that nobody knew was coming, and we hit the world hard. And I'm not gonna lie, I think that working with Pink would be so much fun. It's a riot because yeah. Like, Completely out of her mind. She's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Your movie production career, starting with the title track of Men in Black, added another intricate facet to your journey. How did the narrative, uh, negative complexities of working on the music soundtrack and scores? Negative? Oh, no, uh, uh, navigate, sorry. Oh, oh man, nothing was negative about that shit, man. <laughs> Danny, Danny Elfman was, is a genius. I got hired by Denise Luizzo from Sony because of my record abilities. They wanted someone, you know, who never really worked on film to do some remixes and stuff with the score. And so I did. I did a remix to the dun 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 One of the most famous scores of the movie added some kicks and snares and a couple little bells and whistles. Yeah, I know I'm a part of the movie. Part of the soundtrack, and it was my first film was part of eighty million dollar budget, right? So it was, it was like it was like 
compare that to the next five films. I was like, damn, we don't have a hundred thousand dollar food budget. What? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So it was quite a quite an entry into film, you know, and I've done quite a few things. Yeah, man. Honestly, um, uh, when I got the proposal for you to be on my show, I did a lot of research. Yeah, you did. Office. I'm proud of you, man. You did your homework, dude. Not many people ask me about Men in Black. You really did your homework, dude. That's <laughs> it's okay. But I'm not, I'm not like you have literally. I didn't even know, but you have literally been a part of my younger and like later teenage life so much like mm. uh, like most of these artists that i've loved to listen to and yeah. movies you've been a part of yeah I have. and it's just like man <laughs> it's it's just hardcore <laughs> like i'm like what there you go call me yeah. up <laughs> <laughs> yeah man i was like i was like no way um what was it like uh working with beyonce uh on austin powers he's awesome man she's, he's another one that knows what she wants She's like the, these hilarious, but she's like the most shy, like humble, quiet. She's so quiet, like, and just to herself, you know? And then everybody knows her as this, like, Sasha Fierce, who's like this rip your head off on stage, you know, mm-hmm. performer. But I know B as the little, you know, the little quiet girl who come to the studio in sweatpants and a t-shirt, you know, never, and didn't have all the extra hair and all the extra makeup, no makeup. Just a beautiful little, you know, we, we sneak off, we go eat, you know, in and out Burger or Fat Burger was our favorite. We go sneak off and eat Fat Burgers and, uh, you know, while she's doing Austin Powers, you know, that's the B I know, you know, sitting in the room with her, just a little lovable, just amazing young lady. Like, that's my sister for life. So proud of her. I'm so proud of her. <laughs> yeah. What was it like when you first saw her alter ego? Were you just like, whoa? <laughs> yeah, I said, who the hell is this? She came <laughs> yeah, I'm lucky. I got to see her go sitting in the makeup chair becoming this personality, you know? And, and you know, she was very nice. And then come time to get on stage, it's like, it was like, you know, I'm, it was, damn. It's just like <laughs> in a movie. I'm such a fierce. And I'm a whole lot of women. Like, she meant that. That's awesome, man. young lady. Oh, that would be so cool to see. You play a pivotal role in the success of uh, Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears, Jessica Simpson, and Jessie Tarr. Could you delve into the journey of working with these superstars and how it propelled you into the elite ranks of successful producers? Yeah, I, literally, I just listened a lot. And like all of those names you named, they're just, they were just young girls at the time, early 20s, some even younger, going through life. And mm-hmm. yeah to put their journey down on tape and you know there was no instagram there was no taking pictures of food before you eat it none of that stuff we literally had our outlet was music you know there was no tiktoks no no going viral no trying to do stupid shit to get attention we just literally put pen to paper put a, a beat together a funky bass line and some pianos and some other stuff Told our story, and that's that's what I think was beautiful about that, that period of music. You know, when you're creating a new song and you're with somebody who is extremely talented, do you feel like an extra set of energy just coming in? Oh yeah, like because you were, it's like you, it's like you allow it to come in. Do you do you feel that? I get an extra set of energy based off of energy, right? So yes, yeah. like. The minute like Beyonce walks in the room, you're gonna feel the surge because first of all, you're in the presence of something great. You're in the presence yeah. of 
of, of an energy field of like creativity. And then you look up and you're like, damn, man, she's beautiful. So now you're moved by like the beauty and the stunningness of this person. And then her personality is beautiful. So now you're like, damn. So when you start getting creative, you're just locked all the way in. You know what mm, I mean? Mm. And, and I think the producer-artist relationships are always very special in that because you truly yeah. fall in love. And I don't mean that in a sexual way. I mean that in an energy way. You know, truly do. And you create something magical, then it's like time to go. Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely believe that a lot of people, like everybody is a source of energy. Everybody's just like a battery. Right. And some people just have more votes than others. And when you go close to them, you just feel this complete vortex of beauty, collaboration, and passion just go through. And then the flow is just so magical. Yeah. Your alter ego as the reggae artist, Gnome D in Hawaii, reflects an important chapter in your journey. How did you shape this persona and become one of the island's most commercially successful artists? So so it's actually nomad, N-O-M-A-D, right? Which is Oh, okay. All right. And I want you to say I want you to say nomad backwards. Go ahead. What is nomad? Demand? Demand? Damon, which is my name. Oh. <laughs> well there you go. <laughs> well that's how the shit got created, man. Like it's my name backwards. And if you think of a nomad, a nomad is a wanderer and someone that travels a lot, right? Yeah. So, so that's me. I, I traveled to Hawaii, decided to make a record. I met up with the legend Fiji, who was like the Bob Marley of the island. He guided me down, showed me the rope. And I love, I've always loved reggae. I've always loved to sing reggae. I've produced a lot of reggae with the, with Diggy Marley and the other Marleys um, in ghetto use. A lot of people don't know that. So, um, you know, it just was a natural transition for me in a period of time in my life where I needed it and, and I feel like that, that sound needed me and it's not over I got a new project that I'm working on it's Nomad we'll release it probably sometime second or third quarter to the second quarter of 2024 when when life allows me to find a little time to promote it you have to promote the stuff you have to love it give it love and nourish it play and perform which is something I love to do my boys are waiting on me down there in the island my band you know which I share with the group called Maoli, Fiji, and J-Bug and those guys. But we're just a big family, man, how all that happened. I had no idea would I get nine number one records and get nominated for a Grammy and get recognized as iHeart's, you know, breakout artist of the year and all that stuff back then. Just so I love you. As your journey continues, what can we anticipate from your future projects, and how do you envision your multifaceted career evolving in the years to come? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep listening. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah. I had those answers, bro. Listen, I'd be in a different business. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, all right. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Yeah, man. Thanks, dude.